0: Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate destiny and meaning in their lives. So I just want to give a very brief introduction to those that are new from whatever your background might be, from philosophical religion like Buddhism to atheism to mere ritualistic practice of Christianity, whatever your background, I refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where I have a flip book with very original writing through me by the gifting of the Spirit of God. And there's a lot of print that is highlighted in red. And that print is also links to YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing, that show the reality of what I am sharing from many fields of science and archeology span that you will be very amazed at. That highly confirms the reality of what I'm sharing here. No, this isn't just some religion to believe in. This is the very reality and meaning for your life and for the existence of all things in this universe. And it is found in an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love who is who the one true eternal God could only possibly be. Only that is ultimately trustworthy of unlimited life and power and authority without being corrupted by that or using unlimited power and life and authority in a corrupt way thus indicative that he is the very source it is a love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice known in the bible is agape love it has such integrity that is a blade that it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to such love any choice that is less than choosing the highest lasting good obviously has a measure of corruption in it. This is the very opposite of corruption, the antithesis of corruption. It is represented in electricity and math with a negative symbol which represents an indestructible foundation from which can only spring forth creativity that is ever enlarging in fulfillment and pleasures of fellowship without corruption, that therefore never ends. From that, and also it also represents cutting off corruption, and from that is formed the positive symbol by crossing out that symbol in that the love of God is so great that from before the creation of the world, in fact, even from the intimate past, God who always was and always will be always had that quality in his being that he that was so ultimate and perfect that he could take judgment upon himself as a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice so that you could choose to repent and receive forgiveness because of what god did yes he came into this world this little speck of a planet and i saw today Uh, the earth being compared to the size of the sun and there was a plume going up from the sun and the earth was just a little teeny speck of a ball in the midst of that plume that was so small compared to the whole of the sun yes and there are many suns that are even far greater than our sun that are thousands of times greater And then in one galaxy, like our Milky Way galaxy, there are millions and millions of stars in fact, and some, I believe, billions. And there are billions, probably millions of galaxies. Yes, God humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens, it says. And yes, he is great enough to come down to this little speck of a planet, to his creation, and great enough to be able to communicate with them, which he did in Genesis 18, where Abraham is at his tent door And there's three men standing before him that he recognizes are not just ordinary men. He runs before them, bows before them, and tells them he wants to make them a wonderful meal, which he does. And they all are eating and talking. And he addresses one of them as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for God. Yes, Jesus Christ was talking to Abraham there in Genesis 18 before he sent the other two angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And yes, God came and was as a little child and became the one. Yes, Jesus Christ. God fully manifest in the perfection of his being came into this world and suffered more than you, a mere creature, and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, so that you could repent and receive his love, the gift of everlasting life. I'm wanting to share what I have to share here today with the churches gathered around jesus christ throughout united states and canada and around the world whether it's two or three people or a large congregation or and everything in between i am here to share what god is saying in this particular hour to the churches as it says in the word of god he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches In 1 Peter 4.11, it says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. That means that when we gather together around Christ, we are to seek to allow the Spirit of God to speak out of us. Words that are beyond ourselves. This is explained in Revelations 19.10, where it says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is out of worshiping God in great humility, out of spirit and in truth and great reverence of love towards God that flows an outpouring, an infilling of the Spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances beyond ourselves so that we feel the Spirit rising up within us that wants to come out of our mouth, and we know not what we're going to say, but we sense we're to sing a song, and it comes forth in a beautiful song, never before heard or a word of exhortation or encouragement or a prophecy. That is supposed to be the norm when we gather together, brothers and sisters. It also says in the word of God in Matthew 24, towards the end, blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Doing what? It says, blessed is that servant who, sh- the one who is feeding the sheep their right portion in due season. How many of us that are in ministry are seeking to speak as the oracles of God and give what God wants to say to his people so that they are fed properly in the right timing? That is what I will seek to do here and what I do to facilitate that is I cast lots on the word of God to get the possibility of any chapter with two independent random applications in order to get two chapters that will confirm what the theme is between those two chapters i meditate on those two chapters a half an hour or less and then i speak not preparing very much just a half an hour trusting god to speak because i want to be in a heart set and a mindset of worship that i may speak as the oracles of god are prophetical so that is what I will seek to do today and I also seek to get a hymn that way I don't always get the hymn sometimes God wants me to find the hymn myself or it's because I'm very fussy and want a better hymn so I have a whole list of almost 100 hymns on my website at loverealized.com which are exceptional from throughout church history I choose this mostly from a hymn book of 1080 hymns which also includes many hymns from the persecuted underground church in China under the work of Watchman who was martyred in 1972 so now i want to share with you the song that i have decided to sing today as part of this message and so here we go with a worship song first of all
1: my soul, for by thy transforming power thou hast made me whole. Jesus, I- Simply trusting thee, Lord Jesus, I behold thee as thou art, and thy love so pure, so changeless, satisfies my heart. Blesseth me round with blessings. Thine is love indeed. Jesus.
0: wonderful song I believe this was the song that Hudson Taylor sang when hundreds of missionaries were martyred in the Boxer Rebellion in China I am going to now share with you the two chapters I received today from the word of God by the casting of Lot they are on August the 17th of 2022 Wednesday 1 Samuel 8 and Ecclesiastes 11. So I will, first of all, just bring out the common theme. And sometimes the themes are not that easily recognized. But there always is a theme that I discover. And most of the time the themes are very strong and evident that God is emphasizing in the chapters. But in this one it was not so evident but here but there is indeed a theme between these two chapters so what ties these two chapters together is the compromise of the sons of Samuel which is in first Samuel 8 that are mentioned his sons did not follow the Lord as Samuel did they were taken bribes and so on and so that compromise of the sons of Samuel is a factor that caused Israel to seek identity in a king which the Lord was not pleased with at all. He said, they're not rejecting me. You, Samuel, they're rejecting me. They have rejected in me and that they want a king like the other nations. In Ecclesiastes 11, it warns against following the lust of youth, which is what Samuel's sons did. The result is that one loses diligence to seek God and to plant those things that are creative and bring forth righteousness so that they end up in, a dest- in destitution and judgment rather than in a fruitful, abundant life out of a love relationship with God. And so I want to read now, um, first of all, from... Some of the verses in 1 Samuel chapter 8, 3 to 6. It says, His sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, and took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together, and came to Samuel unto Ramah. And he said unto them, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walked not in thy ways, Now make us a king to judge us like unto all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto Yahweh. Just going to take a little bit of a drink of water here. Then we go down to verse 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me, and served other gods, so they also do unto thee. Israel served other gods. There was always people in their midst, often the mixed multitude that came with them. Why did they serve these gods? Because these gods promised them material blessings if they would meet certain conditions, or this blessing, or that kind of blessing. Why would they believe in these gods when they were right before the great, I am that I am, Yahweh saw the pillar of cloud and the fire and the glory. Well, first of all, it's because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. And so one begins to reason within themselves that I believe in this God, Yahweh, I believe in him, yes, I am a follower of Yahweh, but I believe that Yahweh allows me to have this in my life and that in my life and this little God in my life and that little God in my life. He overlooks those things. Yahweh's good, why wouldn't he overlook all of these things? And so there's the justification of things like this. And there is, again, the perversion in the heart of an idolatrous perception of God that can begin to take place out of the desire to satiate oneself with immediate temporal fulfillments and material security and so on. And so one begins to perceive a God that is according to what They want God to be in their life in order to justify their own immediate desires and dreams and aspirations that are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What happened with Cain? Cain developed a perverted perception of God that was idolatrous he got his focus more on all the suffering that he saw around him and the suffering in his own life because of the toil of the curse so that he began to have within his heart a kind of an unthankfulness that allowed for this God not to be perceived as good he was looking at the consequences of God's holiness and focusing on that instead of the fact that the holiness of God is good. Why is it good? Because what is the holiness of God? It is the integrity of his love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love, which is what ensures that there is judgment on corruption, which destroys what is going to be good that goes on and ever enlarges. Oh, we can experience the goodness of a temporal pleasure, but that temporal pleasure has within it corruption in, that is also causing corruption in our soul. It's not the highest choice. It results in consequences. But agape love, which is a love that is independent of feeling and always chooses the highest good, who is God and, and everything that it pertains onto what is God and points towards Him. Even our conscience aligns with the holiness of God as a child. The child knows innately that there must be judgment for goodness to be allowed. That is in the human conscience, and that is aligned with the genuine fear of God, and that is what keeps us in a right perception of God is when we see that his severity on sin ensures that we have a destiny without corruption that is good. We should look on the holiness of God And its severity is so good. Yeah, we look at all the suffering around us. We don't get focused on that. We say to ourselves, no, it's been allowed because of our rebellion against God. God is good and he must judge corruption so that we can be assured in our future in heaven of a destiny without corruption. But a perverted perception of God perceives God as a dictator that is not good, that requires appeasement by performance. And part of what bursts this is the satiation and the justification is satiating our lusts. As it says in 1 John, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lusts thereof but he that does the will of God abides forever. We do want to be those that are living holy lives because holiness births wholeness in our inner being. Do you think that you were ever satisfied with the temporal things that you justify that are contrary to God and that you have deceived yourself to believe God allows? No. There's always a grasping state of being there that is trying to fill a void, but that void is only filled in holiness because in holiness there comes a wholeness in your inner being, which which is because it allows the abiding of the Spirit of God, which will not abide in a vessel that is unholy. If you do not repent of sin, more and more the Spirit of God will withdraw from your life. The Lord says that he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out because you cannot come to him without repentance in your heart. Even if you are feeling guilty and so on, if you acknowledge it before God and you come with that attitude, God will give you the assurance when you confess your sins that you are forgiven. Of course, that involves forsaking it. If you really see what it's doing in your life and how empty it is compared to a relationship with God, you would cast it off quickly as a filthy garment. Ecclesiastes 11, what do we read here that relates to 1 Samuel chapter 8? Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing. It is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness for they shall be many All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. Let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. That is what happened to Samuel's sons. They allowed themselves to be justified in things. That were temporal, instead of entering into a close and loving relationship with God. It says in Ecclesiastes, one to five, cast thy bread upon the waters, for it's, it's, thou shalt it's, it's, find them. For thou shalt find them after, the it's, it's, find them the after many, many days. Give just, a portion to the seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain and they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. It's saying there are natural consequences in the world to the choices that you make. And then it says this. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow on the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. What is he saying here? He's saying, why are you looking at all the circumstances around you and, and allowing those to dictate the choices in your life? so that you're blown around like the wind and like chaff? Why are you not diligent to plant and to sow what you know is right to do even if it seems like everything's against you? Just like a child doesn't form in the womb, you don't know what God's going to bring out of it, but whatever it is, it's going to be in a constructive direction. You may not see it right away. This is what happens to people when they seek their identity in the temporal things of this world. They become like the chaff. They don't have a diligence to seek God. And so they reap the whirlwind. They reap consequences because they're only sowing onto things that are temporal. You could be diligent to become rich and be blessed materially, but if that's where all your heart is, it says where your heart is, there is your treasure. So if those things fall apart, especially in this time when the economy is so fragile, and you put your full identity in it, it will destroy you with its destruction because your full identity was put into that instead of what is immovable. And the nation of Israel was wanting to put their identity in the leader of a king. Christ said in the Gospels that if someone comes in their own name, you will receive him. But if I come in my name, you will not receive me. Why? Because coming in his name required taking up the cross daily and following him. It required no compromise. And I will tell you that in my own life, the enemy has tried with great and subtle ways to compromise me. And I've come even just very recently in my life to a new plane of holiness. I am at a point now where I will not tolerate the slightest of unholiness. I didn't even recognize, actually most of the time, where I was even tolerating things. It wasn't big, big compromises that you would call sin. But I'm at a point now where I'm experiencing such a wholeness and presence of God in my life. And I hate for what God hates and a love for what God loves because I'm being conformed to his nature. I don't want to ever lose this inner subjective fullness of the spirit that I sense so so often in my life. Even I mentioned in the other message about Brother Yun, who is the heavenly man as they nicknamed him. He didn't call himself that. He was tortured for 10 years in Chinese communist prisons. At one point, he was so terribly tortured. That he went on a fast for seventy days, seventy-five, days without food and without water, which is impossible in the natural to do. He was only down; he was only sixty-six pounds. And they were persecuting him terribly while he was in fasting, with electric batons that made it feel like a thousand spears went into his heart. They threw all the poo and the sewage from the prisoners and threw him into the sewage. And they did terrible things to him. They even smashed both of his legs so he couldn't walk the rest of his life and was lame permanently. And yet here, you know, when the prisoners were saying, well, I don't think he's going to live till the morning and they were gambling on whether he would live or not. And they were even persecuting him because the guards were giving them, saying, if you persecute him, then, you know, we'll let you out of prison really soon. And so one Muslim was even cursing him. And here they all were thinking, well, he won't live until the morning. Suddenly the power of God comes on him. And he gets up on some little stool and preaches to them all. And they're so shocked that they all fall on their faces and repent and receive Christ. That actually happened. And then he got up at another point in time where his legs were both broken and he was lame permanently. God tells him, walk out of the prison. He got confirmation from other godly men that God was saying you just walk out of the prison. God's saying you're to walk out of the prison. In the middle of broad daylight, he opens the prison door and walks when he can't even walk. And the prison door, one the first door that opens, the guard doesn't see him when he's opening the door to let a prisoner go the other way. And he keeps walking. And he walks right by in broad daylight, the other guards, and they don't see him. And he walked right out of that prison and escaped to Germany. And then from there, he's been in United States ministry and even seen top government officials in the past. You know what he said? He said that I am more free in prison than I am with being in the midst of a lukewarm church. In essence, that's what he said. Because he said, when I was in prison there, I felt such a wonderful inner subjective presence of God and of camaraderie and love with my prisoners that were suffering so terribly with me, that it was more fulfilling and I was more free in prison than I was where the church was lukewarm. Brothers and sisters, Christ wants us to know life that is abundant and that is indestructible and that can go through anything. Do you think he went through that in his own strength?
1: He knew how
0: weak he was and impossible to go through all of that. And yet God brought him through all those things. And you can watch him on the internet preaching. This dear brother that was so terribly persecuted for his faith. So what God is saying to the church today is repent of wanting to put your identity with the world and with the world loving you. Repent of the loves of the world and return to the genuine fear of God. He is calling the church to come together as never before and become his house of prayer and holiness. How can you possibly go back to being the church the way you used to be in a time of such crisis when we've seen in the United States the election very obviously stolen? The evidence is irrefutable and abundant. You only have to look at the news links on my website at ultimatemeaning.com or loverealize.com to know that. And then you have all this garbage about COVID being used in as, as an excuse for emergency measures to force mandates on people that break their businesses in order because they want a one world communist global government. You only have to look at Klaus Schwab. He speaks right there in front of everyone. Has even written a book called COVID-19 Reset that came out in July 2020, where he plainly says their plan is to reduce the world population from 7 billion down to 1 billion. And what are they doing? These vaccines, people with three or more vaccines or two or more vaccines are dying At unprecedented rates. The facts are there from insurance companies. The facts are there from the most valid um, system that the U.S. Army uses, which whistleblowers downloaded to many lawyers, which you can find at renz-law.com, R-E-N-Z-law.com. The facts are there from the morgues that all kinds of people are dying right now that have taken these vaccinations. In fact, in Canada in the last week or so, um, I heard this from Laurel Lynn Tyler Thompson, 16 doctors that were perfectly healthy dropped dead after they took the vaccine. 16! And you're asleep, folks? Wake up, church! It is time to seek God and to come together and to fast and pray as never before and to go even on an Esther fast if you can if you're young and in good health. I'm telling you, We need to go on a long weekend and the churches need to come together and cry unto God as never before to spare us, to have mercy on us, that we would repent. And I've written a book called God, Headship, and Body Invasion and everything that should be in the local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from coming down and dwelling and his fullness and glory in our midst like he did in the Welsh revival like he did in Zusa Street, except this time there's going to be the wineskin for it to ever enlarge and grow and expand and conquer the nations with the gospel. I'm not going to sit silent here. I think I might even go on a Christian radio program with these messages. I got to wake people up. No one's listening to my messages, but I'm still preaching them because I can save them and use them later. I want to wake the body of Christ up. We cannot continue to be at ease in Zion. It is time to enter into a far more abundant and fulfilling life in this present life, as well as in the world to come that God has for you. Thank you for listening to this message. Support me by purchasing the book, God, Headship, and Body Invasion on amazon.com and i have a really amazing book coming out in the near future on the evidence of life after death god bless you all